This is Rewired Radio with Erica Spiegelman, addiction and wellness specialist, motivational speaker, and author, helping individuals, couples, and families regain a sense of control, leading to personal growth, wellness, and a more fulfilling life. Here's Erica Spiegelman. Welcome, everybody. Well, you know, for some struggling with addiction, recovery is absolutely the goal. But it's time for us to consider that recovery means more than being free of drugs, alcohol, or other harmful behaviors. How can we help people achieve recovery that incorporates physical, emotional, and psychological well-being? My guest today, John Wolfe, is helping create a dramatic shift in how we work with toxicology reports to empower patients to understand what healthy recovery looks like for them. John is the president and CIO of MedLab Inc., which takes a patient-centric approach to reporting results. John will talk to us today about how he has got, got started on his path and what he hopes to accomplish by giving people the tools they need to monitor their recovery, as well as it relates to their overall health. John, welcome to the show. I'm so grateful to have you with us today. Thank you, Erica. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, it's 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 so important for me as I, I talk about recovery and recovering from all things in life, um, really, um, and how to live a healthier life, to look at it from all angles. And, you know, not a lot of people talk about how to monitor, you know, their their um, recovery in, in such a way. You know, the, there's just so much out there now that's going on. So I'm really excited to bring this conversation to the forefront for our audience today. Um, can you tell? Can you just tell us a little bit about what it is that you do and, and how what you're doing helps people achieve recovery? Absolutely. Uh, well, we're a clinical toxicology laboratory located in Buffalo, New York. And our clients go from Buffalo all the way to Brooklyn. So we're mostly in upstate New York, but there's over 300 different treatment centers with many, many patients, thousands of patients at each one. And these are not your typical um, you know, laboratory tests that we're doing. Because the people who are in our program are the same people we see over and over again because what we're doing is we're monitoring their recovery mm-hmm. process. And unfortunately, some of these people are in treatment programs their life. Uh, they they yeah. don't have a real plan for an exit strategy, if you will. And mm-hmm. your book has given me a lot of hope to see that I wasn't the only person who saw that there was truly a light at the end of the tunnel. So it's a fantastic book. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, yeah, you know, you know, I was just you know, when you say like these people have, have been doing this their whole lives, you know, we, we don't understand sometimes that the narrative we get stuck in in our own head sometimes for some people is is that I'll never get out of this or uh, you know, I'm not worthy of sobriety, I'm not worthy of health. These are very subconscious belief systems that uh, you know, I try in my day to day, you know, um, work that I do to help clients see their narratives and change their narratives and learn how to be aware of them. And, um, you know, the, what you're doing reminds me of that a lot too, because you have a system that points out other ways in which people can be aware, you know, and how we can help people stay aware and grow and evolve and continue to hold themselves accountable. And, you know, there's just more ways than one these days. Absolutely. And what your, your structure that you sort of put together with the, the 10 various aspects of the recovery process that you've outlined so nicely in your book and actually sort of laid the foundation for some of the very ineffable qualities of this reporting system that I'm building. Um, and I just wanted to thank you for that. If, um, you, you mentioned you start out with authenticity, and I think that's probably one of the, I guess there's not really a lot of uh, time spent 
on determining exactly what authenticity is. And, and after reading what you said, I sort of condensed it down to uh, one idea, which is knowing what it is that you believe and having everything that you do and say be evidence of those beliefs. Mm-hmm. So you sort of have to know yourself pretty well. And then everything in your life, everything that you do, all, all the thoughts that you have in your head, and all the ways that you behave, all support that belief. But it's, it's elusive because knowing what it is that you believe is something very difficult to kind of put a finger on because you've been told for most of your life what to believe. You've never really chosen it yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. I just I, I just had a group this morning on that actually, and and I think you know sometimes we wind up seeing that we are climbing someone else's ladder, and then we are at the top of someone else's ladder of what we should do with our lives, and we realize, God, I haven't really fulfilled anything that that matters to me, and anything that really lights me up. And I think that's you know why people turn to addictive substances as well. But but I, I love what you are saying because it's important sometimes to find out what you don't like in order to find out what you do like, you know, or like who you're not to find out who you are, um, helps working backwards sometimes. Um, you're, you're so. right. And the, and the pressure that other people assert on us is really a very strong fact. I mean, even your second point, which was honesty, I believe, um, mm-hmm. it begins kind of with ourselves and how we, we very often deceive ourselves. I mean, we're, the, we're talking about being truthful. I mean, it's, it's one thing to, you know, omit truth or, or, or speak only truth to other people, but how often do we, lie to ourselves and mm-hmm. I think that the, the root of dishonesty is, is almost what you were saying before about fear of rejection about what other people think and the need for acceptance I mean if it weren't for us trying to fit in and trying to be liked and trying to be part of something bigger than ourselves we wouldn't have to make up stories we wouldn't have to come up with you know these sort of fabrications and mm-hmm. these all so neatly like fit into each other Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I agree. And I definitely think that everything has to be addressed in order for us to fully heal. Um, you know, and John, I was thinking about you this morning too, because with the toxicology reports that you do, you know, a lot of our listeners may not understand exactly what that is. So I, I'd love for you to tell us about MedLab a little bit, but, but also, sure. you know, um, in, in terms of, I talked to a, you know, a mother today for, of a son who is, is struggling and, you know, she said, Oh, you know, should I buy a drug test? Some people are now testing their kids before they get in a car. You know, there's, there's way preventative ways in which we can, um, make sure no one's driving impaired and things like that. So toxicology reports kind of tracking what, what is pumping through the, our loved one's systems. I mean, that's the world you're in. And, and, and also you help the, the treatment centers, um, manage that. So could you tell us a little bit about how maybe, sure. uh, you know, people that are listening out there, how they could utilize that? Sure. Well, our, our lab serves lots of different populations in there. They're all sometimes under the same umbrella. Um, the very first place that a person will encounter um, our, our laboratory services is, is perhaps the most critical part would be like emergency services. So you have people who have perhaps overdose or they're in a really bad, bad place and they're taken to mm-hmm. the emergency room and toxicology tests are done on them right there to determine uh, almost, we don't know, the person sometimes is unable to speak for themselves, so this is a critical point where we need to figure out exactly what it is that this person uh, has taken. Mm-hmm. Um, the next step would be where the person is brought into the hospital system and they're being monitored or they're going through detox, and mm-hmm. this is an intake program. And then there's outpatient uh, is the next step, so inpatient and outpatient. And then there is 
uh, day treatment where they come and show up on their own and uh, their own recognizance. And some people who are lacking a place to live might be in a residential program. Right. And all of them living. have different different sorts of aspects to um, how often they're tested and what they're looking for. Because mm-hmm. the, the reporting that we do ties directly into the recovery process and the work that's done by the counselors. They use our, our because there's um, a, a part of the process where there's group therapy, there's one-on-one therapy where the patient themselves will talk about where they believe they are and how clean they are and so forth. And then the moment of truth comes when the results come back from the toxicology mm-hmm. test. And they don't use this as sort of like uh, something to beat them with. You know, this is not, you lied to me. You said you were clean and this is, this is saying the opposite of that. This is used as a tool to help them realize the truth because a lot of times, what people are telling you is what they wish to become true. And they believe, right. 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 So mm-hmm. it, it's used in that way. And mm-hmm. we've come up with things that help. See, this is the other problem that we have in our industry is that because of the um, low reimbursement for, for the fees that are done for all sorts of things, including our services, people limit the amount of testing that they do. So, Let's just say that they're only looking for six different types of drugs. And people who are in treatment programs are very, very smart. They know specifically which six drugs are being tested. And what it tells them is that every other substance is on the menu. Mm-hmm. If you have anything else, just stay away from those six. Right, and right, right. the counselor is, finds it easier to turn a blind eye to some of this because you have to realize that one counselor may have 75 patients. Mm-hmm. in one day. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Um, right. So they don't have a lot of time to spend. So a negative test is no paperwork. So they're okay right. with everything right. being negative. There's nothing wrong. And just keep repeating that to yourself. Yeah. So what we do every once in a while is we will offer them a sort of like um, a way of testing everything at once, specifically like at intakes or every, every show off. It. And it's a big awakening wow, these people really were on all these things. All, all along, I thought everybody was clean and they were telling us the truth. And we it's very difficult to, we can't tell people what to order. That would be inappropriate anyway. But mm-hmm. we can give them tools to help them. And this is where the recording comes in. Now, one of the, um, the best graphical reports that we have isn't specific to any one patient. Mm-hmm. But it's the map of New York State. And on there, we have, in color coding, these clouds that show the various kinds of positive drug test results that we have that correspond to geographic areas. And then we show them over time. So it's almost like a weather forecast where you can see a cloud yeah. front coming in toward you. Mm-hmm. And for somebody, for example, in the western part of our state who is not testing for something like fentanyl, which is very big, especially in the midst mm-hmm. of this opioid crisis, Mm-hmm. They might be thinking to themselves, I don't test for that. None of my people have that. Mm-hmm. And then they look at this map and they see that coming from you know the east side of the, of the state, there's this gigantic cloud of fentanyl heading their way. Right, right. And it right. encourages them to say, wow, I better start testing for this. Right, oh, that's cool. With, mm-hmm. Without us actually having to pressure them into doing anything. And it really makes for, um, it, it gives them a really smart tool to help them mm-hmm. make decisions. You're listening to Rewired Radio. 
Now a quick message from today's sponsor, Organifi. Organifi is how I upgrade my nutrition when I'm on the road. Every single person needs to have green superfood supplements in their life. Because even when you're eating really healthy, your veggies lose a ton of their nutritional value just sitting on the shelf for days before you eat them. Not a lot of us have time or the means to get all natural, fresh, organic vegetables, especially when building a business, which is why I love to use Organifi green juice. It's so quick and easy and it tastes so great. Try out their green juice for 20% using the code rewired at checkout on Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. The link is posted in all of our shows. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I really think that's uh, that's genius. I haven't yeah, I haven't heard anybody doing that. And that's that's really interesting. And like you said, there's so many treatment centers and hospitals and overworked counselors that, you know, a lot of these things, um, unfortunately go unnoticed or, or just, you know, they're just in general, I think just clients and, and people in the system aren't getting enough attention, care and therapy as they should. Uh, of course, you know, not everybody can cause there's no money or there's no insurance or there's no, you know, I mean, a lot of people out there can't afford treatment, can't afford help. Um, so it is really difficult to try and, um, watch, watch people hold them accountable. I mean, all these things would be lovely to do. Um, but you know, it's just, it's just not possible. And also aftercare programs aren't available. You know I mean? It's, it's like, I think inpatient's fantastic. 90 days is absolutely like the minimum for, for most people that have been in addict, addictive behaviors. But then after that, even insurance isn't paid for aftercare programs. Who's holding them accountable? There's no aftercare. There's no continual therapy, no case management, no helping them find jobs, helping them find a place to live. You know I mean? All that's missing too. So, you know, as much as we can develop systems and gauge, you know, what's coming next and those things, the better off I think we all are. Right. And I think a lot of these reports, which we're making available since they're not uh, patient specific, they're being on aggregate data, they're available for the general public, which allows us in another way to communicate how large the problem is, especially those communities who say we don't have a drug problem. And they look at this map and say, wow, we really Mm do. We didn't even know it was there. And maybe that's what's going to push the, the need for having aftercare, which is so critical. You mentioned it. Um, but you, if you think about why aftercare is necessary, I don't think a lot of, of people really understand this. When mm-hmm. a person, let's just talk about, let's say, a methadone program. A methadone right. program is, is a, methadone is a substitute for heroin. Right. But the program itself is so much more than just getting dosed with the drug. A person who's in a methadone program shows up at the same place every single day, and they see their friends in the waiting area. These are people who are in the exact same state in life that they are. Right. There's no judgment. They have. They know each other very, very well because they've lived the same experience that everyone Their else community. has. So it's yeah. a community, and they respect each other. And this is really rare because they don't even get that in their own family. They're the outcasts in many cases. Mm-hmm. And then they get to talk to a counselor who says, Erica, how are you today? How have you been? What's going on? Tell me about you know, what, what you're thinking, what's happening in your life. And they get to talk every day. Somebody's interested in them. Mm-hmm. And then there's, there's coffee, there's donuts, and of course, there's methadone, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. It takes that edge off. Mm-hmm. And then they have a group. They talk with each other. They all say their farewells. And then tomorrow we do it again. Mm-hmm. And do you know what happens when you graduate from this program? 
you have no place to go. Your yeah. family, your friends are all gone. Nobody right. listens to what you say. There's no donuts. <laughs> right, and of right. course, there's no methadone because you've uh, So this is, this is pushing somebody right, right back into that same pattern that this got them there to begin with. Right, and I think if, right. if that were to continue, but I think the most important part, which people seem to forget, is that you can't just take this person out of where they're accustomed to and push them into a group of strangers in an aftercare program. I think it needs to be connected to the original program, which means that the people who are in the methadone program migrate together like a group of children in a school grade graduating to the next level together. Uh So Uh there's a familiarity with it, and the people that surround them are all familiar, and then they grow Mm -hmm. together into the next level. That Mm -hmm. would be ideal. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think consistency like that is absolutely absolutely helpful. And 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 you know the thing, John, is is that like you know ideally we'd all like to be able to provide um, directions to everybody of what to do in order. And then you'll you know in the crystal ball of and that will work for you. But sometimes we don't know. And and like you said, I think it's important that we all take. Um, responsibility for our own recovery plans and find a community, whether it's, you know, through met- a methadone clinic, which not everybody is, uh, thank gosh, not using methadone, but, you know, the people that do, that's a, that's a way of having a community. I mean, that's why there's mindfulness communities, AA, there's, I mean, there's so many ways, but to, to fulfill that piece of your life, you know, the, the spiritual, the physical, the emotional, the mental, you know, we have to find things to, to fill all of, all of those places in our lives and then create hopefully your own treatment plan or your own recovery plan, whatever you want to call it. Um, but that also needs to be taught like right away, which is let's, let's start thinking of a plan of what fills you up, what lights you up, what, what makes your spirit soar, you know, uh, how a community of like-minded people and, you know, all these things are so important to address like you're, 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 you're talking about. Right. Well, maybe that starts with bringing uh, somebody from the outside world with you when you begin these, these programs so that when you leave, that person is the one stable factor that remains. Mm-hmm. It could be yeah. something as simple as that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but what then, you mentioned then, about the crystal ball yeah. also brought up another point, too. One of the other problems is not knowing specifically what a person is is actually having, because there's a lot of deception going on, even within the person themselves. And I'm not saying that they're being dishonest. I'm just saying that mm-hmm. they're struggling, and sometimes we need a better tool to tell us what this person is struggling with. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of time for a counselor to examine mm-hmm. each and every person and try an you know, infinite number of, of combinations of tests to figure out what that is. So oh, we've created absolutely. something here called Drug Trace. And what Drug Trace is, it's a single test, which I've always asked for, because you know, I mentioned before, that I don't, I don't really come from the laboratory world. I came from, I'm a computer programmer, and I came from the financial and banking world, and I was mm-hmm. kind of put into this position uh, just by faith, I suppose. So I do a lot of things because I don't know that it, they're not done this way. <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> so uh, yeah. consequently, I've, I've stumbled across new ways of doing things that seem to be That's very great. popular. Yeah. And one of the things I asked for, I said, why can't we have a test like they have on TV, you know, where they say, tell me what, what this guy's on. And they're like, it doesn't work that way. You need to have, that would be too expensive. You've got to run every single kind of test and it take too long. And it doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense to me. So what I did was I went out beyond um, the healthcare realm into environmental science where they test for things like water and air. And they do this thing called a 
comprehensive screen where they look at thousands of pollutants or toxins in the air and in the water, and they're able to narrow it down very, very quickly. And I found that the University of Missouri was one of the places that um, perfected this methodology for, for environmental science. So I sent some of my people down there to learn how this is done and adapt it for human science. And now what we're able to do is we're able to look at over 65 different kinds of commonly abused substances in less mm-hmm. than eight minutes with wow. one test. So now you don't have to guess. Now you can just order one thing. It's like a crystal ball, as we said before. And it's just you know what they're on, and now you can move on to taking care of that instead of having mm-hmm. to guess. And, and I, I want the laboratory to be sort of like the way you think about electricity in your house. The electricity comes out of that outlet. That's all I need to know. The only time I really think about my, my utility company is when it's not working. You know? mm-hmm. I want to be invisible. I want to be part of the background, just supporting mm-hmm. the, what the, the work that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's a great analogy. And and, and like you said, the, the, that's the first part is understanding what that person is using to cope with life. You know, I mean, the, the, the substance is... Um, and, 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 and also to know, you know, what they're on so that when, that, that you could help them get off of it. So we could really see, is there a mental illness here? Is, is the depression really caused by the drug? Because now we know that you're taking this drug and, and, and education and in educating people, you know, I had a, a girl today this morning that, you know, no one even told her she, she went to a doctor really young cause she was, she had some pain from an, from an accident and the doctor put her on all these meds, didn't explain to her any of the side effects that any of them were addictive. I mean, she was 17 when she got on these drugs, you know, and now is reliant on, you know, 10 different drugs in order to want to sleep, want to deal with anxiety, want to deal with pain, you know, I mean, this is what happens to people. And, you know, the problem was, was, you know, she thought she was very depressed. Meanwhile, now that she's gotten off a lot of them, she's becoming more clear. Um, the counselors are able to help her better to understand uh, why she thinks, you know, to do this, I need this. It's like an equation, you know, and, and a lot of our young people in this country, which is an epidemic, have, you know, in order to learn, I need to take a pill. In order to sleep, I need to take a pill. In order to, you know, this is like, it's just getting crazy. So it, it does, it does help to understand um what led them to these drugs, why they think they're taking them, you know, what the fear is around stopping them, uh, all the what ifs, if I do stop, you know, this is going to happen to me. I mean, those fears are real. Those fears are why people stay addicted. Exactly. And when we take out the this whole idea of I'll try something else and I'll sneak around the testing, um, suddenly when there's no escaping of the, the window of detection, the this this net that we're casting is so wide that the, the game is over. So, mm-hmm. so let's get down to the serious part of it. Let's not start trying playing fool the counselor. You're working right. towards the same outcome, and we're let's right. get serious about this. So now that's off the table, and now we can focus on what you were saying. This is the root causes of a lot of these things. Right, and right. you're absolutely right. There is, our society is, is all about instant gratification. So... If you want something, you order it and you have it tomorrow. If you have a mm-hmm. problem, you take a pill and you fix it. Right. There's nothing, there's, everything is, it's almost like the get rich quick extension into every aspect of our lives where we don't want, mm-hmm. we have aspirational goals and we just want to have them fixed, but we don't want to do any of the work. 
Right. The end result and no process. Yeah. Right. And there, and none of that, that's all building on sand. You know, that none of that ever really right. worked out. And I think never. the, the yeah. great part of what you say in your book too, is that what you're, this, this whole evolutionary process that we're, we're going through is, mm-hmm. is an adventure and it's, it's the sewing in itself. The process of, mm-hmm. of recovery is exhilarating. You're becoming yeah. a whole new individual and this is, this is, they all tie together, but if, if, when some people can understand that sometimes that it's really true that the journey is more important than the destination. It's true. And, yeah. and that's, that's the part I love so much about, about your book. And that's what kind of gave me um, more encouragement about the kind of reporting that we're doing. And I, I'll just give you a, a kind of a master of our, our reporting. Our reports are, are unique to begin with because Instead of being a single test where you go to a typical laboratory and you fill out a requisition, provide specimens, you get a result, that's it. You're done. Mm-hmm. Our testing mm-hmm. takes a look at the entire history of the patient up to that point in time. Mm-hmm. So say, for example, that you've got a person who's on, oh, marijuana is their drug of choice. And they're going, you have a court date that's coming up. And every yeah. week for the last three years they've been positive for marijuana but suddenly this week they're negative but they're also negative for nicotine and caffeine so where another test would just say negative we're going to sort of point out say, listen either a miracle just happened and this guy gave up marijuana and cigarettes and coffee or maybe just maybe this isn't his specimen <laughs> and that kind of really brings, you know, the, the light into the importance mm-hmm. of this relativeness of the reports. That we have. So we're looking yeah. at the, the well-being of the whole history of the patient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the oh, part that's, that's missing is that this is all for the counselor, and I wanted to do something that's specifically for the patient. Something that gives mm-hmm. them some encouragement. And one of the things I've been learning about is something called reduction in harm. Have you heard of that? Yeah, this yeah, is where, oh, yeah, yeah. Where you have, let's just say that a patient comes in, and there, are, we've seen many, many uh, drugs all at the same time. But let's just keep it down to a narrow band of let's just say there's alcohol, marijuana, and heroin. Okay, and let's just say in this example that after two weeks in the program, there's no more heroin. Yeah, even though I they're know. still positive for the other two items, this is a good thing. So exactly. what we're trying to show with our mm-hmm. reporting is that just because there's a positive left there, that doesn't mean that there's no progress being made. And a lot of places right. don't do that. So we're waiting the, the, the negative effects, and yeah. we're trying to make them better. Yeah. Well, John, thank, I, I so appreciate that. And we could talk more. And I would love to have you on again to discuss this so much further. But please tell everybody where they could find you. So in case anyone wants to get a hold of you and, and is interested in your services. Absolutely. Um, we are MedLab Incorporated. We are a CLIA certified laboratory in New York State. You can find us at medlab.cloud or you can call us at 716-633-8001. Thank you, John. Thank you, John Wolf. You're the best. Thanks for being here today. You're listening to Rewired Radio on Radio MD. I'm Erica Spiegelman. Thank you all for joining me and stay well. <laughs>